welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a young fellow who made me listen to him, and after you hear him sing, you'll be glad I did. It's yours, Charles. Chillin' to be baptized, mighty pretty meat 
Hello, everyone. If I have succeeded in confusing you entirely by those juxtapositions, then I am doing my job properly. The artist I am featuring today is the African-American tenor Charles Holland, who had one of the most fascinating careers that I have ever encountered. So before we go any further, let me just tell you what the selections were that you just heard. The first was an excerpt from the trailer of the 1940 MGM film Hullabaloo, which starred Frank Morgan, who many of you probably remember as the wizard in The Wizard of Oz, as a radio announcer. There are many scenes in the movie that take place in a radio studio, and the excerpt that we heard from the trailer is when the Frank Morgan character introduces Charles Holland in his Hollywood film debut. Not surprisingly, he is dressed as a bellhop throughout the film. The other song that he sings in this movie is Carry Me Back to Old Virginia, that delectable longing for the good old days of slavery, because who didn't long for slavery, right? And you'll notice that in the trailer after the excerpt of Charles Holland singing Vesti la Juba, we go directly to Frank Morgan imitating Al Jolson singing Mammy. So back in 1940, this was not perceived as an anomaly at all. We hear it from our perspective and we are rightfully horrified. But this, in fact, highlights the entire problem that Charles Holland faced during his career in the United States. The second clip that we heard was a recording of Charles Holland released in 1941 on the RCA Victor label of him singing actually a pair of spirituals, Honor, Honor on side one and Talk About a Child That Do Love Jesus on side two. The pianist on that recording was Ralph Lindsley. And the third song, which is currently our underscoring, is Laurie Anderson's 1981 surprise hit, Oh Superman. What, you might ask, has this to do with Charles Holland? Well, the subtitle of Oh Superman is for Massenet. So there's a connection with Massenet, and what might that be? Well, let's look at the words. Oh Superman, oh Judge, oh Mom and Dad. This is a direct reference to the Massenet aria, Oh Souverain, oh Juge, oh Père, oh Sovereign, oh Judge, oh Father. Laurie Anderson heard Charles Holland sing this aria in a 1977 concert in California, which was one of his first appearances back in his native land after emigrating to Europe in 1949. The exposure that Charles Holland gained via Laurie Anderson eventually led to his belated 1982 Carnegie Hall debut. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We have to go back to the very beginning to find out exactly who Charles Holland was. Come with me, okay? Charles Holland was born December 27, 1909, in Norfolk, Virginia. He died in Amsterdam on November 7, 1987, aged 77. He began studying voice at the age of 14. His brother was the somewhat renowned trumpeter and vocalist Peanuts Holland, who performed with many jazz bands and important musicians throughout the course of a long career that also was primarily based in Europe. 
I've been unable to determine exactly what the relationship was between these two brothers, because Charles was born, according to his biography and every source that I found, at the end of 1909, and Peanuts was born in February of 1910. Now clearly that's not enough time for them to have shared the same mother, so I'm suspecting there might have been a little bit of uh, birth date manipulation on the part of Charles. I'm not sure about that. I have not confirmed it. But we do know that he began studying voice early on and also in the early 1930s began singing in jazz orchestras. What we've been listening to is a recording by the famous bandleader Fletcher Henderson of a tune called Harlem Madness. We're about to hear a vocal break by none other than Charles Holland. Harlem, I feel crazy, rhythms on my brain, music mournful lazy, Harlem, I'm insane, those trumpets and those wailing trombones, singing saxophones, Heidi High has got me razzmatazz with all those melamones, dark blues make me frantic, black jazz brings me down, once I was romantic, Nice stray up town, jungle drums with savage madness. Give me the blues and steal my gladness. I've lost the mind and soul that Harlem madness stole. Charles Holland had begun appearing in musical theater, and he also went on tour with the Hall Johnson Choir. Based on those appearances, he was awarded a 13-week radio program on NBC Radio. After this, he moved to Los Angeles, where he continued his vocal studies and took on a role in Mark Connolly's very famous all-black drama, Green Pastures. It was possibly directly based on these appearances that he was engaged to make his film debut in Hullabaloo, as we heard at the beginning of the episode. Sadly, but not surprisingly, I'm afraid, his opportunities in Hollywood were extremely limited. He only appeared in two other films, the first of which was as Ephraim in a 1940 drama called Youth Will Be Served, which also starred Jane Darwell and Jane Withers. It sounds pretty dismal to me. Here's the IMDb description of the plot. Listen to this. A southern girl, Withers, goes to a National Youth Association camp after her father goes to jail for bootlegging. When a mean tycoon tries to buy the campground for himself, she stages a show which endears her to him. Then her father escapes and catches the crooks who took the tycoon's money and all is saved. And you can just be sure that Charles Holland plays the token black stock character. I shudder to even think about it. His final film appearance was an uncredited part in the Marx Brothers' The Big Store, hardly one of their more significant efforts. Following his Hollywood experience, Charles Holland did make two appearances on the Broadway stage, 
one in an apparently musical drama called Run Little Chillin' in August 1943, which was by the very Hall Johnson of whom we have been speaking before. Some of you may recognize that name. He was a very important conductor, arranger of spirituals particularly, composer, and educator. In fact, in Shirley Verrett's autobiography, which I have just been reading, she speaks of how significant Hall Johnson was in her development as an artist, particularly in his vast knowledge of art song and leader. The other role in which Charles Holland appeared on Broadway was in the drama Jeb, which is by Robert Ardry, who also wrote the play Thunder Rock and was nominated for an Oscar for the screenplay for Khartoum in 1966. If Jeb is remembered at all today, it's because Ossie Davis and Ruby Dee met while working on this play. Looking at the cast list, I was also surprised to see the nearly 14-year-old Rary Grist making her Broadway debut in this very play. Of course, a number of years later, Rary Grist would be the first performer to sing somewhere from West Side Story. And she, of course, would go on to become one of the most significant coloratura sopranos in the world. I found the Billboard review of Jeb, which only ran for nine performances, unfortunately. The uncredited reviewer has a few things to say about Jeb. Robert Ardry, that is the playwright, has scripted a drama that has guts and the power to make you angry. Jeb is absorbing from curtain to curtain. Jeb keeps strictly off the sex angle between Negro and White. It is a simple, pitiful story of a decent young Negro who comes back from four years in the army minus a leg, and plus a couple of medals and a childish faith in the decency of white folks. All he wants is to get home to his family, his girl, and a job, a better job than he had as a field hand, because the army has taught him to use an adding machine. This is where Jeb's troubles begin. He asks to be made timekeeper at the mill and touches off a fuse of racial hate in a small Louisiana town. It makes no difference that the white incumbent is a drunken sot about to be fired. A Negro cannot aspire to a white man's job. None of this means anything to simple, credulous Jeb. He just has to prove to himself that his hand is still cunning on that adding machine. The result is a trumped-up morals charge which leaves his family burned out of their home, his girl run away, and himself beaten and chased out of town. Well, it sounds pretty grim. The reviewer concludes with the observation, Jeb should be welcome on Broadway, even if Louisiana didn't want him. But of course, Broadway didn't want him either, and the show closed after nine performances. Those were Charles Holland's final appearances on the Broadway stage. In the following year, Charles Holland appeared in the first performance of Mark Blitzstein's Airborne Symphony, which also was recorded by Leonard Bernstein. I'm not going to spend too much time on Blitzstein's Airborne Symphony. We heard Muriel Smith sing that amazing song of his, Displaced, last week. The Airborne Symphony, I think, has some significant music in it, but 
It is agitprop propaganda of the highest order. It even includes a narrator who was originally Orson Welles speaking about the marvels of flight and, of course, America participating in World War II. The second movement is a description of man's desire to fly over history, and it is here that we are going to hear Charles Holland. Interestingly, the chorus is directed by Robert Shaw, who also does the narration. Etana jumped on the back of an eagle in Mesopotamia, tried to fly in 4500 BC, but he got dizzy, got dizzy and tumbled off, got dizzy, tumbled off and fell and died. Old Etana Everything but fly, I am black. 
I have seen claims made that I'm not sure are substantial at this point. That Charles Holland also appeared in the original Broadway production of Virgil Thompson and Gertrude Stein's opera Four Saints in three acts. What I did determine is that someone named William Holland portrayed a male saint. Whether William Holland and Charles Holland are one and the same, I've not been able to determine. But what is indisputable is that Charles Holland does appear on the abridged commercial recording of the opera conducted by the composer that was made in June 1947. I think it should be clear by now what an exceptional vocalist Charles Holland was. Every single thing that we have heard him sing thus far shows a voice of extreme beauty with a wonderfully easy, free top. I'm so taken with his singing. Opportunities for him were so severely limited. There's review that I've found from Musical America in November 1940, which is of his first solo recital at Town Hall. I'm going to read the whole thing because there are some backhanded compliments which I find rather perturbing. On the whole, it's a very positive review. Charles Holland, Negro tenor, who has sung frequently over the air, been a member of the Hall Johnson Choir, and who will shortly appear in a film drama which was, of course, hullabaloo, gave his first solo recital in the town hall on the evening of October 28th. Mr. Holland disclosed a voice of charming and appealing quality, which was, in the main, well-produced, in songs and arias, within his scope. His singing was both agreeable and satisfactory. When he wandered beyond his province, as in Il Mio Tesoro from Don Giovanni and Vesti la Giubba from Pagliacci, the latter given as an encore, the effect was less striking. Less striking. The Obad from Le Roi Dix was charmingly sung, so also the flower song from Carmen. Among his leader, Brahms's An eine Eolsharfe, was excellent, and Duparc's Chanson Triste was well given. Given that even when you're getting a good review, you're still getting slapped around, you can certainly imagine his frustration at not being able to reap the opportunities that he was so richly deserving. 
So, in 1949, he simply fled the United States and moved to Europe.
is one of the loveliest versions of the Cosi aria that I know. I would rank it up there with Simono, with Demota, Julius Patzak, people like that. I think it's at that level. Just now, I happen to be listening to a young singer currently working who's a perfectly respectable artist, but he doesn't have that way of binding the line together into a beautiful legato the way that Charles Holland does. This younger singer's performance also lacks the forward motion that Charles Holland brings to his interpretation. And this is so crucial in Mozart, in my opinion. The conductor here, by the way, is someone named Artur Goldschmidt, who I think worked primarily in France. Here he was conducting the Orchestre de la Société des Concerts du Conservatoire, the orchestra of the Paris Conservatory that one often sees on these pâté recordings, of which this is indeed one. I hope you enjoyed it. The move to Europe was a good one for Charles Holland in terms of his career. In 1954, he made his debut at the Paris Opera, singing in Mozart's Zauberflöte. Unfortunately, not in the role of Tamino, in which he would have been supreme, but in the role of Monostatos, the Moor, the role that is still sometimes done here in Germany in blackface. I've seen it. The following year, 1955, he made his debut at the Opéra Comique in Bizet's Les Pêcheurs de Perles, The Pearl Fishers. Here's an excerpt from a 1972 television appearance with a lesser Dutch singer named Marco Bakker. You can find this on YouTube. It's interesting to watch Charles Holland. He's uh, well into his 60s. You can even just listening hear the supreme technique that he still brings to bear. And also something that his duet partner does not have, a wonderful way with the text and a very dramatically alert, musically responsive kind of performance.
We're very lucky to have a number of live recordings that he made. I've picked three of them that I'd really like to share with you. The first is from a 1958 concert with the Promenade Orchestra in the Netherlands, conducted by Harry de Groot. It is of Romeo's Cavatina à l'Evitois Soleil from Gounod's Romeo et Juliette. I'm going to play you something from a 1966 concert that he sang again in the Netherlands and again with the Promenade Orchestra, this time conducted by, oh God, I'm going to slaughter this guy's name, Leo Driehuis, something like that. This time I'm going to offer you the Preislied from Meistersinger. That's Morgenlich Leuchtend. Perhaps it's surprising that he's moving into this repertoire, and yet I find that he gives it a very satisfactory performance. Indeed, 
Now here is a really special treat. So we just heard him singing Wagner. Five years later, he's singing a complete performance of Handel's simile. So he had retained that beautiful morbidezza, the wonderful color, but with a newfound power as well. This performance is with the Amsterdam Philharmonic, conducted by Jack Luray, something like that. Luray, just guessing, can you tell? Wherever you walk.
May I just remind you that that is a man in his 60s singing like that? There were one or two phrases that were not perfectly placed. But mind you, I hope you heard this in the Mozart as well. This man had a trill. This is a tenor with a trill. Do you know how rare that is? I just love this guy. I thought Muriel Smith was my discovery last week, but Charles Holland is just as significant, just as important. I'm now going to play for you a number of spirituals that Charles Holland recorded in 1954 for the Pate label. These came out on two different 45s, and here he is accompanied by none other than Jacqueline Bonneau, who was, of course, Gérard Souzet's primary accompanist in the 1950s. I really have to apologize for the sound on some of these, but unfortunately, until I get my own copy of these and can make a cleaner version, we're going to have to use what we've got. They're all just so beautiful. How do I pick? Let's start with Newborn again. If you want to go to heaven, you must be newborn again. Oh, newborn again. If you want to go to heaven, you must be newborn again. You must be newborn again. Oh, newborn again. Oh, newborn again. Oh, newborn again. You must be newborn again. Jesus said you must be newborn again. Oh, newborn again. Jesus said you must be newborn again. You must be newborn again. Oh, newborn again. Oh, newborn again. Oh, newborn again. You must be newborn again. The neighbors say you must be newborn again. Oh, newborn again. The neighbors say you must be newborn again. You must be newborn again. Oh, newborn again. Oh, newborn again. Oh, newborn again. You must be newborn again. If you want to go to heaven, you must be newborn again. Oh, newborn again. If you want to go to heaven, you must be newborn again. You must be newborn again. Oh, newborn again. Oh, newborn again. Oh, newborn again. You must be newborn again. And next, let's listen to I Stood on the River, Jordan. Jordan, Jordan. Yeah, okay. I stood on the river of Jordan To see that ship come sailing over Stood on the river of Jordan Don't you weep. 
Now we're going to hear Liver Humble. Thank you. 
my intention was to share with you this stupendous recording of spirituals that Charles Holland recorded with Dennis Russell Davies in 1982, when he was, according to his own bio, at least 73 years old and possibly older. But things have gotten out of hand because we're already at the end of the episode and I haven't even started to play this. So I am clearly going to have to do another episode on Charles Holland just so that we can hear this recording. I did want to also say something about the arrangements of the spirituals that we've been hearing. They are by Paul Johnson, who has already played a significant part in this episode. And the last one that we heard, Prepare Me One Body, was done by Roland Hayes. If by chance you don't know who Roland Hayes is, you really must become acquainted with him as well. He's another extremely important African-American tenor and a true icon in the civil rights movement as well. He did more than a few arrangements of spirituals. I know there's at least one published collection. He did what he referred to as the Life of Christ, which was a song cycle of spirituals. It comprises side two of this Charles Holland recording, and the Prepare Me One Body is the so-called prologue to the Life of Christ cycle. In addition, in the second of the spirituals recordings with Jacqueline Bonneau, he does the first five songs of this cycle, and that is the performance that we heard just a few minutes ago. On the first of my two Christmas episodes, we heard him sing Sister Mary Had But One Child from that same recording. I've decided to give you just one teaser from this My Lord, What a Morning album by Charles Holland and Dennis Russell Davies. And that is the song Fire Music by Hall Johnson and text by Langston Hughes. It's the one original piece by Hall Johnson on the record. Oh, my God. 
even if we're not going to hear more of that recording right now, I do want to share a little excerpt from the liner notes written by Ava Soltis. Aside from one concert in New York in 1969, Holland did not return to the United States to perform until the late 1970s. In 1977, George Shirley, New York Metropolitan Opera star and an acquaintance of Holland's, was in Amsterdam performing in Pelias et Melisande, conducted by Dennis Russell Davies. George Shirley arranged for Davies, who was then conductor of the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra, to hear Charles Holland sing. Much impressed, Davies invited Holland to perform the Christmas Oratorio in St. Paul later the same year. An obviously deep musical kinship resulted between these two American artists of different generations. The following two seasons, Charles Holland was featured at the Cabrillo Music Festival in Aptos, California, where Davies has been music director since 1974. That's the end of the excerpted liner notes. Now I'm jumping back in with my own commentary. It was at one of these concerts that Laurie Anderson heard Charles Holland sing Au Souverain, Au Juge, Au Père. And of course, at this point, he would have been nearly 70 years old and indeed a superman. This association with Dennis Russell Davies also bore fruit in Charles Holland's belated 1982 Carnegie Hall recital debut. Edward Rothstein wrote the review in the New York Times. I'm going to read just a few sentences. The 73-year-old may not have had the surety of pitch and projective power of vocalists half his age, but he brought with him a maturity that extended beyond simple musical acuteness. Mr. Holland, that is, knew exactly what he was doing and did it with care. Though his arms and body did not dramatize the words, his voice gave a supple pulse to each selection, treating it with a directness that at times was almost conversational. Mr. Holland's strength of will, integrity, and sensitivity gave firm foundation to every selection in the program. These were qualities needed, no doubt, in his career. They also gave poignance to this, his debut recital. Meaning, of course, his Carnegie Hall recital debut. Lucky for us, Holland and Davies recorded the majority of that recital at around the same time. When I first heard this recording earlier this week, I was extremely disappointed in it, especially in comparison with the album of spirituals that was recorded around the same time. But on repeated listenings, I've actually come to appreciate it much, much more. Before I even came across Rothstein's New York Times review of the recital, I had also remarked on the extremely conversational quality that Holland brings to the material. I do think that the best things on the recording are the Forêt selections, so I'm going to offer you three out of the four of those to end the podcast episode today. Let's start with Claire de Lune. Oh, 
And now let's give a listen to En Sourdine. This is the second of the Cinq Mélodies de Venise, all, as with the Claire de Lune, set to poems by Paul Verlaine. Oh, no. 
Finally, I want you to marvel in the extremely beautiful legato that Charles Holland conjures up for the thrice familiar Après un rêve. It's a very special performance, I think. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It was my great honor and privilege to present Charles Holland to you throughout the course of this magnificent career that stretched over more than 40 years. I haven't quite settled on next week's format, but I can promise you that I will at least be presenting you Gloria Davy, another African-American artist who, like both Charles Holland and Muriel Smith, emigrated to Europe in search of a better life and a more active career. As always, thanks again to both Alan Segal for the beautiful underscoring and to Steve Robinson for his expert advice and guidance. Once again, he had to jump in to the fray last week when I was having difficulty getting Muriel Smith out there to you guys. So thanks to both of you very much.
Until next time, my friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. <laughs>